Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host for the ad space. My name is Kevin Estella. If you read our reviews online, you'll find out I'm apparently the voice of the ads. I thought I did some podcasts too. Well, whatever the case may be, I just want to recognize the folks that do make this podcast possible. So whether you like these ads or not, you should probably thank them because they're good folks. We're good friends with all these companies and they allow us to bring really cool guests on the air for you to listen to. The first sponsor I want to recognize is Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee is right up the street from us in Salt Lake City, and we go to a number of events over at their headquarters. Now, if you guys go to their site, www.blackriflecoffee.com, you're going to find a coffee flavor that works for you. Talk to the boys on the trading side, and you'll find out just how much we enjoy the canned Black Rifle Coffee. Visit us at HQ and you'll see all of us running around with cups of freshly brewed Black Rifle coffee that's made every single day, which, by the way, is free for you when you come in the store. So please check them out. Uh, Evan and the crew over there, solid, solid folks, and we love them to death. Black Rifle Coffee website is www.blackriflecoffee.com. The next sponsor is Triarch Systems. Triarchsystems.com is the website, and if you use the code FIELDCRAFT, you'll get 5% off your order. I've been saying this every single podcast I get a chance to. I'm waiting for my try 11. I'm waiting for it. I don't know when it's going to get here. And, you know, I kind of feel like that little kid on Christmas morning when it comes to like the the gift that you want under the tree. You know, I want that try 11 so bad. If you guys don't know anything about Triarch, they turn really, really amazing firearms into even better firearms. Uh, exceptionally, exceptionally uh, flawless running firearms. Super, super nicely finished. And I want one badly. So please go to Triarch Systems. The website is www.triarchsystems.com. Use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT and you'll get 5% off your order, which may arrive before mine. Just throwing it out there. Another sponsor is Vertex. Guys, the website is vertex.com. That's V-E-R-T-X.com. Use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT and you'll get 20% off. Now, there is some really, really cool stuff at Vertex. And, you know, I'm literally wearing a pair of pants right now. If you could look at me in the studio, I'm wearing Vertex pants. I love their stuff. I might even have a Vertex bag that carries something that gives me a little extra reach than the standard firearm that I have on my belt. And it might break down courtesy of a folding device on the stock, or I should say on the brace. Can't call it a stock or else, you know, what is it? The ATF or the AFT? Yeah, they don't, uh, they don't approve of that. So, If you guys check out Vertex, you'll find some bags that might work for you and your folding braced pistols uh, that might have an 11 and a half inch barrel. So please check them out. They're phenomenal. Uh, All you have to do is rip the the zipper and you'll have access to your tools that can reach out. So check them out. Vertex.com, V-E-R-T-X.com. Use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT. You'll get 20% off. The final sponsor we have before we get going with this podcast um, is Kafaru. Kafaru is a all-American, very compliant, badass company that makes amazing shelters, backpacks, sleeping systems, and accessories for the modern mountain hunter. But guys, you don't have to be a mountain hunter to use this stuff. If you're interested in just having the best backpack to go out and trail with the family, 
get a Kafaru pack. I've been running Kafaru gear since 2006 easily, starting off with the tail gunner, then getting a Wubi, then having a Zulu, then using the Reckoning, and then, you know, working with the Shape Charge, the Door Gunner, uh, you know, the E&E pack. I mean, I'm definitely a Kafaru junkie. I use a lot of their stuff. I've been camping with Aaron. Um, I've hung out at the headquarters a bunch of times, you know, been in the car with Frank the Tank. Guys, Kafaru is a solid company, and let's not forget the fact that they let us use their land in Spanish Fork, 2,500 acres, to do all of our courses. So please return the favor to Kafaru. Please visit their website, kafaru.net. You will love what you get. It's heirloom quality stuff that you're going to pass down. Welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And today with me is Kate Smith. Hey, Kate. Hey. <laughs> so Kate is an herbalist. And uh, as shocked as people would be, uh, I actually find this subject pretty interesting because it's so like uh, old school, homesteady, you know. So you, you we're going to talk about uh, medicinal plants that you can eat and uh, uh, substance, food that you can get from medicinal plants. And we're going to kind of go back and, and get context with your background and how you led to this point. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to shut up most of the time and let you do the talking, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not real good at that. Um, so, you know, you, you are uh, you're a local here in, in uh, North Carolina and uh, you have your own business. We'll, we'll talk about that later on. But why don't you bring us back to the start and kind of where you grew up and and. and what were your influences that kind of led you down this path to where you are today? Sure. Okay. So yeah, I am local to here. I grew up in Pine Bluff, um, you know, was homeschooled and went to school at Appalachian State. And it was really there that my first like health crisis started that ended up leading me to this path. So I um, got a, you know, simple urinary tract infection when I was in college and, um, you know, just kind of grin and bear it and hope that it would go away and, you know, painful and annoying like they always are, but <clears throat> not a huge deal. And, um, you know, the symptoms did go away, but about 10 days later, I tried to get out of bed and I passed out. Like it had turned into a kidney infection and it had gone septic and I was in the hospital for over a week. Um, you know, I was told that I almost died because it got so severe and, uh, this so is actually, you, you didn't seek medical health at all, help at <laughs> no. all. So, you know, simple urinary tract infection. And no, I didn't really seek any, like I didn't seek mm -hmm. out antibiotics for it or anything like that. I just did what I had always done, which was like hydrate a lot. And, um, you know, the symptoms went away, but it was because the bacteria traveled to my kidneys and had, oh. you know, infected my body that way. So yeah, it ended up being really severe. There's actually the way that my great grandma passed away was from a septic kidney infection. And, you know, when you're did, thinking, did you find that out later on? Yeah, I did yeah, find okay. that out later on. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because then when I later did my wilderness first responder training, um, like found out that this is actually one of the things that can take out people in the field pretty regularly because you don't feel symptoms when you have a kidney infection other than that pain in your back, mm. which I had. But if you're in a wilderness setting, like you're not going to necessarily attribute that to an internal infection, right? Like it feels like a musculoskeletal strain. Yeah, like, like you're lifting heavy things. Totally. I imagine like, uh, you know, homesteaders and, mm -hmm. and, and people in, in the old West and stuff like that probably died from that a lot, you know? I would imagine so too. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I would imagine so too. And yeah, that's interesting mm. what 
used to take us out is not oh, really what takes us out anymore. Yeah. Like we have such amazing medicine for yeah. trauma and for infections mm-hmm. and like acute injuries. Well, an- antibiotics are, oh, are incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. incredible. Well, that period in the hospital um, and that period of having such a severe infection just changed my body and what I was able to tolerate. So after that, I was having chronic kidney infections mm. like every couple months. Um, and yeah, speaking of antibiotics, if I did not get uh, medication like pretty quickly, I mean, I would say within about eight hours of symptoms coming on, um, I would be back in urgent care, you know, mm. I would be back in the hospital. And, uh, this, this went on for quite a while for, you know, over a year, actually, I, I moved to Alaska and I was working for the forest service and yeah, I was that's doing, not, that's not rural at all. No, know? I know. That, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was in, <laughs> I was doing, uh, trail work and wildland firefighting. So I was in really remote locations all the time. Um, I would be out in the woods, like at least a day away from medical care for like anywhere from eight days to three weeks at a time. And so I was kind of always on antibiotics. Like my doctor had given me an open prescription for Cipro, just like full spectrum antibiotic that has all kinds of additional side effects. And I was taking that every couple months Mm. um, because if I didn't have access to this, it could be life-threatening, you know, and it was life-threatening. So um, these infections started to get closer and closer together, more and more severe. Your your body's trying to tell you something, right? Yeah. Yeah. They would come on with less warning too. And I was really feeling um, like my freedom was just very threatened mm-hmm. and my lifestyle was threatened. My work and my feeling of safety at work, which is kind of crazy, right? Like I was fighting fire and I was so much more afraid of my own body mm-hmm. hurting me from the inside out than I was ever like, you know, dying in a or, you know, getting a severe injury while in firefighting, even though that, you know, came close like a couple different times. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I was on this path of like my body declining, you know, in my early 20s, just crazy. And actually the way it came about that I discovered herbal medicine is I just got to the end of my rope. Like I was not getting any help from my doctors anymore. And I also didn't even have health insurance. So this was becoming very expensive for me. Um, you didn't have health insurance as a wild firefighter? No, I didn't. Well, this was a, <laughs> a seasonal job, you yeah, know? Yeah. So you're technically, um, it's not technically full time because it is just for these few months out of the year. So no, I didn't even have health insurance. And I remember one time asking the doctor that I had saw, um, like, is there anything going on underneath the surface here? Is there anything I could be doing to prevent this? And she said, no. Of course. That's the way she was trained, yeah. right? And I hate the bash the 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 medical association but it's very especially in the military it's very symptoms 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 Mm -hmm. drugs 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 Mm -hmm. right oh that didn't work let's try different drugs let's Mm -hmm. try different drugs like they don't really address the underlying cause of of a problem yeah right yeah and she said it was normal for this Hmm. to happen okay normal yeah (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) i'm not even surprised i'm not yeah i you know at the time i had such faith and trust in the medical system. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They saved my life mm-hmm. like it more times than once and have saved multiple family members' lives. And I mean, I think we all have a story of modern medicine saving our lives. And I'm thankful for that. We may all have a story about modern medicine screwing stuff up too. Also, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. screwing stuff up. 
And especially when you're thinking about chronic health conditions, I mean, there's not a whole lot they have to offer. Mm. Um, it's symptom management, like you said. And then of course, like everybody says it, but yeah, you get another drug to help with the side effects of the drug that you're on. So I got to the end of my rope really. And I was on the phone with my grandma who lives here and I was telling her what was going on. And she was like, honey, (laughs) have you ever thought about trying something holistic? Have you ever thought about trying herbs? And I was like, no, I haven't, you know, that I was not raised that way. It was not really anything I had ever even considered. I went to the bookstore and I got a book on herbal medicine Hmm. and I, that was like my, um, incentive really. And then I started researching everything I could find as far as holistic treatments for the specific types of infections and specific parts of my body that were being affected. And I found out what plants had historically been used to strengthen those parts of my body and historically been used for infections. And a lot of them grew in Alaska because it's like a very abundant place. And I started digging them out of my yard. Mm. (laughs) I started going and foraging in the woods for these things. Um, I started, you know, using them in multiple different ways as like teas, as alcohol extractions, as, you know, as food. Um, And I went from having these kidney infections every couple months to, you know, two months goes by and three months goes by and four months goes by. And I didn't have another one for three years. Mm. Um, so it was completely life-changing for me. How, how, how difficult was it? Because for most people thinking about that subject and getting a book, it seems like a, such a daunting subject because it's mm. so massive and there's so many different symptoms and there's so many different plants out there, right? Mm. So I, I've been to survival school, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I, I everybody thinks, oh yeah, green berries can live off the land. Not so much, right? <laughs> as long as it's a grocery store, I'm good. <laughs> but but like, yeah, and I know a friend of mine, uh, he was in Ridgeway, I mean, he had a similar story, mm-hmm. medication, medication. He went and, and did research and found the plants and, and, and actually fixed the problem also, right? Mm-hmm. But it just seems like such a kind of daunting task to take on for an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you find that was? How much research did you have to do uh, before you were comfortable with, okay, this is what I need? Hmm. Well, I think when you are desperate, yeah. you, like, no task is too big. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, okay, I say that, but honestly, for me, um, it was very simple. Like, mm. I <laughs> used the plants that I found in this book. I used the the plants that I found that other holistic practitioners or naturopaths were recommending, which you can do in a pretty quick Google search. Um, you know, I think I used two or three resources mm. at the very beginning, pri- primarily to find these things. And the plants that we're talking about are pretty, like everybody knows them too. That's mm-hmm. kind of the cool thing. I mean, so historically, uh, dandelion root has been used to strengthen the kidneys and the bladder. Um, and I use that, like I mm-hmm. dug that out of my yard and then high bush cranberries, which grow everywhere in the bogs of Alaska. You know, Mm -hmm. I was using those as well. Um, And then I was using some of uh, the spruce up there because you're thinking about like an Mm anti-infective aspect. So, you know, using those plants for me was very practical and very accessible. And every environment has its own medicinal plants that the people there have been using for, I mean, as long as there have been people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And we have, I mean, I think as human beings, we all have this rich ancestry and this rich history of Somewhere in our family line, somebody was an herbalist who who healed Mm -hmm. themselves or healed the community or healed their families using medicinal plants. What we we used to, like everybody talks about survival skills and, Mm -hmm. you know, building fires and building shelters. They were just life skills in the 1800s Mm -hmm. because if you didn't know how to do them, you died, right? And in the same way, if you didn't have a way to treat an infection, then you died. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I, like, I remember I got a cut on my arm when I was a kid. I think it was my arm. My mom put a, a bread poultice on it to, to draw the infection. Uh, that's some old Whoa, school stuff yeah, there. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's funny. How, how difficult is it to harvest them and, and then break them down into, into a, a liquid or however you take them? Yeah. So how difficult is it? It does depend on the plant. Um, so... Okay. First of all, I feel like it's important to say that uh, every plant is going to have its medicinal elements that are easier extracted and better extracted in water versus alcohol. Mm -hmm. So some plants, their medicinal actions are only going to be applicable if you make them into a tincture. So alcohol breaks them down. Um, How you would do that is you would take the plant, whether it's fresh or dried is going to change the way that you're going to process it, but you're going to take that plant and essentially, um, you know, find out what it needs as far as how much alcohol and what percentage of alcohol it needs in Mm -hmm. order to break down those medicinal components. And you're going to let that sit in a, um, like a jar or some kind of container with the alcohol drawing that or breaking that plant down. Um, so that's called a tincture when you do that, that's not very difficult at all. Um, there's folk methods, ways that you can do that where you really simplify it and break it down. I mean, the way that I do it is is much more involved now um, and is much more specific and like scientific in the way that I was trained in school to do it. But you can do this yourself pretty easily, like using a folk method of making a mm-hmm. tincture where you just are taking your plant material, you're covering it with alcohol and you're letting it sit for a month. Like right. you could literally do it that easily. It's so funny. Like I just, I was just thinking about what I said, like it's such a daunting task, mm-hmm. but um, in the 1700s, it was a daunting task because it was either word of mouth or mm-hmm. trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't the resources we have now. That's now so we have so many books and the internet and yeah. everything. It's actually easier now than mm-hmm. it ever was in mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. But I think we're so, I, I, I don't know, like I was just thinking about what I said there. Oh, it's a daunting task, but it shouldn't be, right? Right. Um, it should be much easier than it was on the back of a wagon on the right. way out, out to, so to true. Oregon. And you think, <laughs> think about what they were doing in the 1700s too. Like, were they still bloodletting then? Probably. I, I don't know. Were. I think they were. <laughs> leeches. Um, yeah, leeches, mm. bloodletting, mm-hmm. and a lot of the herbs that were used, there was this there was this understanding of herbal medicine as like whatever causes the most profound reaction in your body has got to be the strongest and therefore the best thing for you. So um, a lot of the herbs that were used were like emetic and they would, you know, cause you to vomit or mm-hmm. have like terrible diarrhea and like your, pur- their purgatives is yeah. what they called them. Mm-hmm. So like you're getting all of the, you know, bad humors or bad blood yeah. out of your body. And really, that's our, you're really dehydrating the person. Yes, like really. totally. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. setting them backwards. Yeah. Um, we do, you know, have this really rich tradition of Western herbalism, but it has, there was definitely a phase there where it got a pretty bad rap and people think about it pretty poorly because yeah, it was the most extreme, taking the most extreme measures Mm. and no understanding of like the body's 
a self-healing ability. I, I think it, it probably, you know, it was, it was, it was normal business and right. And then it became less and less. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to come back almost to normal business. Not, mm -hmm. maybe not that far yeah, because yeah. people have such, um, they're so critical of, of big pharma and medications and all these, med I've seen it in the military, like guys would, um, like near the end of my career, when I ran uh, this job, I had a bunch of SF guys working for me and they were all retiring and they, they, they just take them in and throw so much meds at them. I've seen them have some really bad reactions to them. Mm -hmm. um, I had one guy, he, he had taken so much Motrin over the last 10 years, it ate a hole through his stomach, you know. I had another guy, they threw so much meds at him, it, they all reacted really badly together and then he turned violent. And then when they, they fixed his medication, he was fine again. And, and when he was violent or when he was aggressive, that just wasn't the guy I knew before, right? So um, I think we threw a lot of meds and then they all interact with each other kind of mm -hmm. differently, right? And I don't think that that is, is documented. Like um, here, like um, local to us here is a lot of retirement communities and all that. And then the older generation, they, they take tons and tons of medication and uh, it, it just, I know we, we've extended people's life expectancy, but I, I think it's going to go back almost towards traditional, you know, herbal um, ingredients to help you out, you know? Yeah. Hey guys, it's Kevin again with Fieldcraft Survival. Sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I do have to recognize one more sponsor. And this is a sponsor that I just consumed this morning and I have been consuming for at least six months now and that is Athletic Greens. Guys, go to their website, athleticgreens.com forward slash fieldcraft, and you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I'm currently looking across the studio at a package that was delivered from Mike Glover, and I'm contemplating walking away with it because it is that good. Guys, I like Athletic Greens. It's a great way for me to start my day. Um, Athletic Greens gives you a lot of the nutrients that you need, a lot of the greens that you probably aren't getting if you are doing any of these crazy diets that are out there, um, but it gives it to you in a beverage form that you can swallow down pretty quickly, choke it down, get it down, however you have to do it. But believe me, it doesn't even taste that bad, right? It's not like drinking wheatgrass or anything nasty. Athletic Greens actually taste pretty darn good. And I know some folks that actually mix it with some other stuff that's out there. So, uh, you know, definitely, definitely uh, check out Athletic Greens. And uh, I think you're going to be very, very pleased with what they have to offer. So go to athleticgreens.com forward slash fieldcraft and you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Is there any, is there any downside? Is there any dangers to certain ones? Is it so low dose over a long period of time that the, that the, the, the danger is less? Mm -hmm. So are you talking about herbs and drugs together? No, just herbs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so just herbs. Well, it definitely depends on which ones you're using. Okay. There are some herbs that you could eat as food every day of your life and they would be incredible for you. Yeah. And you use those to make into an herbal medicine, like a tea or something. Um, and then there are some that are lower dose that like, I recommend people not use for more than three weeks or recommend people use only in really, really small doses. I mean, just because it's a plant doesn't mean that it's gentle or safe. Um, so long-term effects, I think it just depends on what you're using. Um, there was this big, I don't know, like this popularity of a type of herbs called adaptogens and people were using them a lot. So like ginseng, and eleuthero and rhodiola and stuff like that. And they're 
essentially what they do is they can be very, very stimulating for people. And people think like, oh, this is helping me and healing me because it's, you know, the, the thing was like, cocaine oh, I does, think it's going to help my, too. yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Like the, people thought, you know, this is repleting my adrenals. Like mm. that was a big fad for a while there. When in reality, what we found is that when people were taking those in pretty high doses long-term, they ended up just wiping out their internal reserves after a while. And then they're worse off than where they started. So, mm. um, you know, I use now with my business, I use herbs definitely for symptom management first and foremost, but then working on getting down to what the root cause is underneath it. Mm-hmm. Like the way that I had to do for myself and then the way that I was trained in school, you know, it, I ended up like leaving, you know, obviously leaving Alaska mm-hmm. and, um, and going to school here in North Carolina for functional herbal medicine and seeing lots of clients in a free clinic. And, uh, it was a very intensive program. And so you know, what I, how I was trained and how I was able to help myself was, okay, getting rid of the symptoms first, like the things that are causing you pain mm-hmm. and then figuring out what's going on that's causing them, mm. you know, cause you don't want to leave that problem unaddressed because it will just manifest in another way. Yeah. That's you know? what I do. I just, yeah, <laughs> I just, I just take it till the pain's gone. I ignore it until it comes back. It's been, work, I think, it's been working I think for years. We all, yeah. I think we all have an inclination <laughs> yeah. to do that myself yeah. included for sure. But you know, it, when you're thinking about long-term health, um, you know, it's important to get down to what's actually causing it. Mm-hmm. So t- tell me a few of the the common things that people will come to you, to, to common problems that are, mm-hmm. you know, treated with herbal medicine and very effectively treated with herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. What are the things you've seen over the years that are um, kind of normal that people come to you with and that, that you've been able to help them with? Mm-hmm. Well, chronic health conditions for sure. Like that, I I do work with people with acute conditions like acute infections. Yeah. But so much more often, like we were talking about before, I mean, nowadays the problems that are tanking people's quality of life are chronic health conditions. A lot of them are lifestyle and stress related, mm-hmm. which is tragic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it's so easy to reverse that, you mm-hmm. know. Not easy, but simple. But that's a lifestyle, lifestyle, a lifestyle change, thing. right? Yeah. It's a lifestyle change that that's yeah. going to help a lot too. Definitely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we work with, I work with that too, because you can't just give an herb and, you know, say, okay, well, maybe you're feeling better, but like your lifestyle hasn't changed. Yeah. You're just going to keep running yourself into the ground. So what chronic health conditions? Um, I do work a lot with people with autoimmune conditions. Uh, I see that a lot. I also see um, like workplace related chronic health conditions. So when you're thinking about military community here, mm-hmm. um, a lot of guys and women with um, the repercussions of traumatic brain injury, uh, with you know uh, stress, long term stress, um, and pain and sleep issues, especially mm-hmm. in military and not, community. Not not, not like. Uh kind of a lot of them usually you know what i mean like tbi oh, yeah, 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 causes yeah. sleep feed, issues and pain feeding each yeah. other mm-hmm. yeah 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 and they're so intimately connected so um like kind of the like the cocktail that i see in a lot of military is okay like chronic headaches and migraines chronic pain whether it's musculoskeletal or nervous pain nerve pain a lot of times both and sleep issues um and just stress management in general. And so, yeah, all of these are feeding each other and making each other worse. And the thing that I've found that's so 
exciting is that when you can work on one thing, like when you can grab hold of one of those issues and start to fix things there, a lot of times you will see a decrease in symptoms of all the other symptoms that yeah. are going on. Cause you can't, when you're using holistic medicine, like you can't help one part of the body without helping all parts. Mm-hmm. Um, like your body is so interconnected. I mean, I've found, I've seriously found with people, um, who have come to me with like mental health concerns, like, you know, there a lot of them, most of them are seeing a therapist already for depression or anxiety or PTS or whatever. Um, and we start working on their digestive symptoms and their mental health improves. Well, I will tell you that that the uh, where you are right now is like the special operations capital of the world mm-hmm. right now and mm-hmm. because a lot of special ops guys, and I, I know they go through their careers, they're very, very high achieving people. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. push themselves very, very hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, they put their health on the back burner. Mm-hmm. They put their family on the back burner sometimes. And as they get further down, like you can only crash into the ground with a parachute so many times before you have neck injuries and back injuries and all that. And then again, they take pink and I'm I'm speaking in the third person here, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about myself, but you take painkillers and you drive on and, and, and mm-hmm. um, because it's always about the mission, right? It's always about the mission. And then as you get further and further down your career and you get older and your body becomes less forgiving for, for that type of trauma, then sleep issues happen. And sleep issues cause depression and sleep issues cause, and then, you know, PTS, you know what I mean, uh, from combat. And then uh, TBI, 50% of my disability is TBI. And they can they can take an MRI and they can see it in your brain. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it's, sometimes it's IDs, but a lot of it's breaching charges from, from you know, CQB and stuff. So they all compound each other. They all get worse and worse and worse as you go. And then um, guys will retire and then they'll lose that sense of purpose. And then they went from being, you know, tip of the spear to sitting at home and watching uh, Netflix. And then if they pour alcohol on top of that, it just makes everything worse, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's a very, very super common road. And, and we've all been on it. Almost everybody does the same thing. And having stood back now after being out of the military now for about a year and a couple of months, um, I see how destructive that path is and you can't help it. It's just who you are. It, it's baked into your DNA. It's just who you are. But when you're out, and I've said this before, and I'm not bashing the military because it, the military has been very good to me. But when you sign out, the military will give you a flag and a prescription. And they'll tell you that, hey, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. And they'll just replace you with another guy, right? So you owe it to yourself, especially when you're young and in the army now, you, you can you can get ahead of some of these things before they happen. So when you do retire at 40 or 45, you're not completely broken down um, mentally and physically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I see that. I, yeah, I can't think of a single person, yeah. a single like military personnel that I've known either, you know, as a friend or a client who has not, yeah. who, who is it that fitting that description yeah. that you're talking about? Oh, it's super common. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the, the type of the personality type required in order to do the things that you guys do mm-hmm. is uh, pretty spectacular. Um, and then it's also the type that will ignore, you know, yourself Absolutely. and ignore, ignore the pain and ignore what's going on. And cause you have to, it's part yeah, of the job. You do. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's frowned required. upon too. It's frowned. It's frowned it's, yeah. It's not as bad as it was, but mm-hmm. it's frowned upon to go and get, you know, get on a profile where you can't do stuff like, and you know what I mean? Totally. And, um, 
you just suck it up, you take painkillers and you drive on to the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it does add up the, the longer you, you do it, right? Um, so, I mean, what can be done for, because PTSD, not PTSD, but TBI, traumatic brain injury from explosions, it's such, it's such a, a devastating thing internally in your brain. Are, are you treating that symptomatically? I mean, there's, there's not much can be done to reverse that, or is there? No. So, okay. So I'm really excited to see what we discover as far as research and science moving forward about how the brain can heal. Um, because even 20 years ago, it was thought that you could not create new brain cells in any part of your brain. Mm-hmm. turns out you can actually create new brain cells in the hippocampus and potentially we'll learn that you can create new brain cells in different parts of the brain. The medical, who, who the knows? Me, the medical industry was wrong. That's so shocking. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. But okay. So what can be done? Um, yeah, there are herbs and nutrition thing, nutritional things that you can do to improve blood flow to the brain, oxygen to the brain, nutrition, uh, getting nutrition to the brain and just helping with nervous system communication from the brain to the rest of the body. There are definitely things that you can do. Um, that are going to significantly help with symptoms, but also, you know, you're not, we're not really sure what's happening as far as continual use and long-term healing. You know, we know for sure that there are certain herbs and there are certain foods that improve, um, you know, neurotransmitter production and, uh, nerve cell lining and, um, you know, uh, cardiovascular health, uh, when you're thinking about like, you know, blood flow to the brain. But how how much are those things actually reversing what happened? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But I do know that these things can really help with symptom management, especially if you can implement them sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, so I actually recently <laughs> this year had a friend, uh, not military, but who had a pretty severe TBI and um, you know was hospitalized for a couple of days, um, and was able to help her. Uh, through herbs, like right after her accident, which was really exciting. Um, and then also working with my clients, you know, some of them have recently had a TBI and some of them are dealing with this after, you know, getting blown up for 20 years of their lives, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, there are some things like turmeric is a really big one that can be incredible blood flow of the brain, increasing brain derived neurotropic factor, which is going to help with like spatial, um, recognition going to help with balance and coordination and memory. Um, there's, um, you know, rosemary is another amazing one that can improve blood flow to the brain, um, and help with memory. Absolutely. And it's also aromatic. So it's going to have that action on uh, nervous system too. And then, you know, there's lion's mane, which is a medicinal mushroom can be helpful. Um, you know, exercise is huge. Like getting in appropriate fatty acids is huge. Um, you know, fish and like cod liver oil and fish oil, and then just fatty fish in general have been shown to improve brain health, um, and to improve people's symptoms after a stroke and after a TBI. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are many, many things that you can do. And we know that these things are making improvements, but I don't know if we even have the science that's there yet to say, you know, is it possible that we can reverse some of the damage that's been done mm-hmm. or is this all just symptom management? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure, but I know that people feel better mm-hmm. and can function better when they start implementing these things. Yeah. I, I have uh, I have two bulging discs in my C-spine as mm-hmm. well. And it's from free fall, you know, cause you're, you're falling out of this bird 
at 120 miles an hour and then you pull your parachute and it just snaps you to, mm. to a halt. Mm -hmm. That's bad for your neck. Who knew? <laughs> Who would have known that? Especially when you have a hundred pound ruck, rucksack attached right, to you, right? right? Yeah. So it's mixed to that and really good. So I have two bulging discs on my neck. So they have me on these nerve blockers mm. that I take at night that do help. Like, but it, I mean, it's never going to get healed, but it just like, gets me through the day, the next day, you know? Mm. Um, it's such a fascinating subject. And it's it's not like you... You go to school and you learn and you're done, right? It's continual learning. Like you'll yeah. never, nobody will ever know the full extent of what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, super cool. Let, let's switch gears and talk about edible plants. Sure. Right? So I went to school up the road here in Chemical. And part of that training is you do escape and evasion for a couple of days. And then you get rolled up and you go into prison and all that kind of thing. But during, so they teach you about edible plants and all that. And and then we went on escape and invasion and they we were on a group of four of us. And in like three or four days, we had a total of one roadkill squirrel between four of us. Not as much meat as you might think. Um, we ate, we tried to eat some deer corn, you know, people put mm -hmm. out for deer, yeah. Yeah, like eating rocks. Yeah. We, we yep. boiled it for like six hours and it didn't <laughs> help. Um, and then I think that was it. So we pretty much starved. Okay. And... Uh, we were in North Carolina and they they told us all these different plants and all that. I couldn't find any of them, you know, mm -hmm. but um, the, uh, so I'm sure there's plenty of food out there. I think I went in October, mm -hmm. I think, um, but I damn sure didn't find any of it. Mm. So tell me what's typical around here for edible plants. Oh, Wow. There's actually a lot. I bet there is. There's actually yeah. a lot and there's a lot everywhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. So here, okay, if I had to survive on edible plants here, I would hope and be looking for things that are very abundant. Um, so like plantain. So how do you describe these things over audio? But it's tough. But yeah. It's, it, yeah, is yeah. it is tough. But, you know, people can look up pictures of these things. So plantain, not like the ones that look like bananas, but the ones that mm. grow and have like the basil rosette down at the ground. And they, you know, come up with these little spears of stems and then they have little seeds on top. Anyway, so plantain, um, violet would be another big one. You can eat, you know, all the, all the above ground parts of plantain and violet. Um, dandelion again, which is mm -hmm. like what I had a good experience with, with my healing. Um, but dandelion flowers and leaves, stems, roots, all edible. Um, mullein, uh, not necessarily the leaves, even though those are used medicinally, but the root can be good. There's a lot of very starchy, of course, like, cause roots are going to have be much higher in starch, but a lot of, uh, starchy roots like burdock root. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a lot that you can find from trees. So I know in our video that we did, acorns mm -hmm. is going to be a big one. Mm -hmm. um, then there are some mushrooms that are pretty abundant that give you a huge source of like protein and fat. So there's, you know, the chicken mushroom, which is really hard to confuse with anything else. It's got this bright orange color and they can become gigantic. Um, is, is there a way to tell? And, and we had a way, and I just want to, you know, if it's edible or if it's poisonous, because mm -hmm. they had they showed us this edibility test. Have you ever heard of that? No. No. Okay. Through, through Sear School? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. So it, it's, you know, I talked to Kevin Estella about it, and he was like, ah, it's not really realistic because mm -hmm. you're moving and all that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. you take it, you take the plant, and then you rub it on your skin. 
and you see if you get a bad reaction, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably butchering this now, it's a long time ago. And then you rub it on your lips mm-hmm. and see if you get like a burning sensation. And then you take a little bit and you, you, you chew it a little bit okay. and spit it out. And okay. then, I mean, it takes quite a while, right? Yeah. Um, I just wondered if you ever heard of any, any way to tell if it's edible or not mm. by any, any kind of way like that. Okay. I have heard of people doing that. Um, that is not something that I do. I think so. Mm-hmm. What I think is the probably the best way is just learn basic plant families and the ones that tend to have the most edible plants in them. Yeah. Um, and then you learn the identifying characteristics of those plant families, and then you have a lot better chance of being able to choose the right plant within that family that you can eat. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that would be to me that would be the easiest place like the easiest way to do it. Um, so you think about like rose family and mint family plants having a lot of um, species in them that mm-hmm. are edible and medicinal. I like that because you um, can learn groups yeah, and not yeah. learn individuals, which totally, makes it easier. Totally. If There's you, a really good book is called Botany in a Day. Um, uh, Tom, uh, I don't remember the author of it right now, but I'll, it'll come to me. But that one's a really good one for mm-hmm. learning plant families. Yeah, yeah. The... Uh, yeah, because I, I find it daunting if I look at a book of plants. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, me they used too. to make us, like, before 9 11, Russian infantry used to make us memorize all these Russian vehicles, like, mm. freaking hundreds. I'm <laughs> like, like oh my God, thing. how am I going to remember these things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, never had to do it in my life, but uh, it seems like such a daunting thing. So I think I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Alaska, but if you had to, like, live off the land in any in any mm. uh, state, mm-hmm. which one would it be? Oh, yeah. It would be Alaska. It would be. Yeah. It, would be it would be as yeah. far as homesteading and as far as being able to provide for yourself. Yeah. And the, the lack of interference um, from <laughs> anyone who might want to keep you from doing that, it... Yeah. yeah, it's, and, a, it's and, profoundly it, it, different there's, there's than it is There's less chemicals that are being used in plants and stuff like true, that and run off in true. rivers. And very, it's, very it's, true. It's so natural yeah. up there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you, Until you, you could live a, a sustenance life. Well, <laughs> yeah. So there's a big fear of bears by people who come and visit Alaska. But I'm telling you, people who live there, there's not that same kind of fear or dread. Somebody I mean, told I, me the biggest bears in North America are in North Carolina along the coast because they never hibernate. They eat and eat and eat and become humongous. I don't know if that's true. Are you serious? But I don't know. That's what he said. I didn't think we even had grizzlies in North Carolina. Not grizzlies, I think black just bear. black bears. Mm-hmm. Just black bears. Which yeah. but they get humongous because they never that sleep. They can get that big. Yeah, yeah. So because I mean, so in Alaska, the black bears are going to be much smaller because they do live in the forest and they're yeah. eating like ground squirrels and they're eating, mm-hmm. um, you know, plants. Whereas the grizzlies are eating the salmon and they tend to be more coastal. And people. And I'm, people. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're not. They're no, not. I had They're, bear, not. They're such an awesome I, animal. My God. Yeah. I had a bear rip into my tent my very first week working for the Forest Service. Yeah. And then after that, it was like I would encounter them weekly or every Did other week. Did you leave week. food in your tent? No, I didn't. didn't? Okay. That's the interesting thing, too, is we're pretty like stringently trained on like do not do that we had Mm -hmm. you know a bear box that we keep everything in that was you know several hundred feet from where we were camping Mm -hmm. where we had our tents out and yeah still i i think it was attracted to my laundry detergent Mm -hmm. that i was using on my clothes because you know they're just smelling something that's out of the ordinary like out of what they're used to smelling in their environment and they're going to investigate yeah you're in in their backyard you know it's their land i never had to use bear spray i mean Mm -hmm. i always carried it on me but i never had to use bear spray i mean i carried a rifle for work but i never had to use it Mm -hmm. um 
I've so, never yeah. been to Alaska. I'd love to go. Oh, yeah, go. you would yeah. love it. Oh, I'd love it. You yeah. would absolutely love it. Kevin Nacella went there I was last about week. to say, yeah. didn't he, wasn't he just yeah. there? he was just or is there. He, still there? he interviewed a guy who got mauled by a bear. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, he's back, yeah. But he gets to do all the fun stuff. I don't get to do any of that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're just here in Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. So uh, tell me about tell me about your business and what you do. Sure. And, and, and tell me where people can get a hold of you and find you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do some more stuff together. We're going to do some more content. And um, so, yeah, just to, to tell me about your business and where people can find you. Yeah, so my business is called Made Whole. Um, it's actually comes from a verse in the Bible. Um, and I practice in downtown Southern Pines. Like I said, I do work with people almost entirely chronic health conditions and a lot of autoimmune conditions. Um, and people can find me. I have a website. It's called madewholeherbs.com. And that's my handle on Instagram and Facebook is madewholeherbs. Mm -hmm. so, awesome. Yeah. What, what, what you got there? Okay. So... I'm not sure if the video, if we're going to catch this on video, but we've got yeah. it set up. So um, a lot of people are not quite sure what kind of herbs like an herbalist would use. You know, am I doing what I did for myself where I'm digging stuff up out of my backyard and like, giving yeah. it to people? No. So I, you know, I use herbs from companies that are, you know, sustainable and organic, like either local farmers or, you know, bigger companies. Um, and then I make my herbal medicine that way. So this is an alcohol extraction of herbs. Uh, this is called a tincture. Both of these are tinctures and these are ones that I've made for myself. So like one of these is a digestive tincture. So it's something that I, you know, would take like five to 10 minutes before meals to help with nutrient assimilation and digesting my food. So thinking about like, um, you know, helping release pancreatic enzymes and, um, you know, helping with proper, um, you know, stomach acid production and, you know, a lot of, there's so many things that we work on with or that I work on with digestion for people because everybody's got something that's going mm -hmm. on, you know. Um, so this is something that I've made for myself with herbs that are specifically helpful for me. Um, and then this that we're drinking right now, this is just an herbal tea. So uh, this is a mixture, loose leaf mixture of several different herbs that I chose. And I drink those like most days, but mm -hmm. it's, there are ones that I chose for me to help with like stress management, but also promoting this sense of clarity and peace. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, this is a loose leaf tea and these are the two forms of herbal medicines that I use for people. Um, you know, they're either an alcohol extraction or they're a tea. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, you know, it's easy. Like, and it can become a part of your lifestyle. Like we're so much, we're used to taking supplements now, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of people are vitamins or what, you know, even your medication or whatever. Mm -hmm. So this isn't yeah. too much of a big difference in mm -hmm. your life too. Um, Kate is actually going to teach a class for us at the end of September, mm -hmm. and that will be posted on Field Crop Survival. By the time this is aired, it, it'll probably be over by the <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it won't be. It won't be. Um, but it will be on Field Cross Survival, and you can check that out. And the class will be up at Oak Grove in uh, Hoffman, which is just outside here in uh, Aberdeen. And you're going to do a portion of it in the class, and mm -hmm. then we're going to do a walk around, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a big property. We're going to walk around yep. and uh, talk about different plants. So check yep. that out. Um, awesome. Kate, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you so great. much, Kevin. Okay. Thank you. Bye.